My name is Megan. I won't tell you my last name, mostly because I hate the Family Guy references. Animorphs has helped me find friends throughout my entire life. I bonded with my oldest friend in middle school because of a love for Animorphs. Is anyone really surprised I have an Animorphs podcast? To Minds at York. I'm Megan. I'm Alex. And I'm Tim. How's everybody doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. I'm also good. I don't have anything special going on right now. Oh, I'm in the middle of auditions for a play. A musical, in fact. That's exciting. Yeah. It's mostly like making schedules of when actors need to come back for callbacks and sitting outside the audition room making sure that they're there when they're supposed to be. That does not sound exciting. <laughs> it's fun for me. That story was I'm a, a weirdo. Story was a roller you coaster. You. you do you. And you were able to also make time to read Animorphs 26. Yes. The Attack. I had to look it up because I actually did not know what the title of this was. <laughs> what do we think of this one? I thought it was pretty good. It was fantastic possibly my favorite so far hey we're back on track it's possibly <laughs> tim's favorite yeah. this one was so so good yeah this is the sleeper that i always forget is really really good and why don't you go ahead and give us a summary so everybody else can see why it's so so good book 26 the attack jake has a dream about being a controller and then sees sauron again the gang is watching a the lion king assembly when everything stops the elemist shows up and explains the evil eye that jake's jake keeps seeing his name is cryak the elemist needs seven champions for a contest to determine if the howlers will defeat the iskjord eric the chi is the seventh team member after deliberating the gang is sent quickly to an alien planet. The planet is full of Iskruts. The gang is attacked by several Iskrut gangs. Iskrut? Iskrut? I don't know. There's two O's there. There's, there's like a Y when they... It got me messed up. Okay. Uh, the They eventually find a howler. One howler beats the whole group. The group finds a place to hole up. Eric takes on all the howler memories from a guide in exchange for Animorph memories. The howlers were created by Cryak just to kill. The Howlers find the gang, and they morph flies to escape. The gang heads to another hideout, where they find out the Iskurt, Iskurt are very similar to Yerks. The Howlers use bug spray, and the gang birds out. A battle ensues, and Jake takes out a Howler. Jake acquires the Howler before he beefs it. The gang finds a new hiding spot and develops a plan. Jake wants to lure the Howlers in and show them memories. Jake morphs a howler and realizes that they think they are playing a game. The howlers see Jake I'm sorry, the howlers see Jake's memories and leave. Cryak is mad and destroys the howlers before the memory bowl is tainted. He doesn't quite finish the job however and Cryak is mad again and makes threats. The the Elemis recaps what could go right and the guide is rich. I don't think the howlers left. I think Cryak destroyed them. Yeah, they were gone is sort of the the way it reads. They just weren't there anymore. Okay. Yeah, so probably that's what happened. Oh, that's definitely what happened. Yeah, yeah, like like Jake looks up. I don't think that one's for debate. No, Jake looks up and they're gone. Yeah. yeah. They Batmaned. Yes. So meet Cryak, the Elemist's black pawn, I guess. I don't know. Satan. (laughs) 
<laughs> his nemesis. Nemesis works. The locutious to his Picard. Uh, we get, I mean, there's a lot here. It's it's the same thing as when the Elemist first shows up. There's just so many more layers to this story that are unfolded in this book. Hey, does, does anyone know if I got that Star Trek reference right? I have no fucking clue. Did you say, what did you say? The locutious to his Picard. Does that work? Is locutious the Borg guy? Yes. Then yeah, I think you got okay, it right. Cool. Just making sure. Yeah. Uh, this is not technically though the first time we've seen the Cryak. No. No, it isn't. Tim, do you remember where we no. saw him last? I want to say it was like it, it was like book six or eleven or something. It was early. It was a long it, time ago. It was book six. Yeah. Yes. It, it was. Yeah, it was just like that random mention. Yeah, what I love is that this isn't like a retcon. This is something either that they planned this far in advance or it, something got changed. I don't know. Either way, it's not like this red eye got retconned no, was, into yeah. book six. A little dangling thread they threw out there earlier, whether they knew yes. how to play it or not at that time. But it comes back, comes out really cool. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna argue in a minute that this is this book in particular is the culmination of a lot of planning and the seeding of many ideas and a lot of like slow burn world building that had to be coming to this specific point. Okay. But before I do that, <laughs> I went back to book six and I compared the Cryak's appearance there to the prologue of book 26. And while they are mostly the same, aside from punc some punctuation, there are a couple of differences. Uh, one gets called out in 26. Um, Jake says that it only ever happens this way in the dream. But we actually do get a little more description here than we had in that first book. Um... Uh, the bit, a creature or a machine, some combination of both, it had no arms, it sat still, as if unable to move on a throne that was miles high. Other than that, everything else is almost identical. Wow. And it's almost like they probably had a copy of the book. <laughs> and a plan. <laughs> sure. Because they knew what to leave out, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is arbitrary. I think if you go back to how... You've been discussing the last two books don't quite line up with the narrator. Um, I would assume it's because they were trying to fit this book in yeah. at this point. Yeah, I mean, it would pretty much have to be. Yeah. We have passed, I think, the halfway point, or we're right at the halfway point of this series, I think. I mean, if you go by main, uh, we're probably a book shy or something like that. It's what, 54 in the main? Yeah. I think that's right. So yeah, we're like a book shy. So this is a good time to start bringing up these like super serious philosophical questions and also Sauron, Satan, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. It, uh, yeah, it, it went back to the, the not glazing over of the big discussions. Like even at the end when they just find out that these are basically children, the Howlers are. And there's like yeah. in the middle of a battle, they still have that that long sort of moral. How do we handle this? As opposed to what they were just kind of glazing over. It seemed like in the in the last book, mm -hmm. and the moment between Cassie and Jake. Which moment? The, the one, <laughs> the one where they kissed. It seemed a lot more. I don't know. In tone with the rest of the book series than it did. To quote to Rachel, quote it's Rachel about all. time. Yeah. You beat me to it. I think it was finally. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Either way, it was. Yeah, it's this, time. the same sentiment either way. And then Marco, of course, making jokes and Jake yeah. talking about how, like, all this, like, major stuff is happening in his life. And yet he still feels awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your first kiss is in front of all your BFFs. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little awkward. Yeah. 
So I want to go back to the beginning of this one before we get too too far into what happens on Iskrut World. Uh, first off, I, I noticed early on how surprisingly sympathetic toward the Yerks Jake was, of all people. Um, but that maybe makes a little more sense as this issue, as this book goes on. And also I love that they start off at a school assembly watching performers from the Lion King do their thing. Yeah, that might be the most like 90s thing. (laughs) Not only that, but all I can think is, oh, for once they get to watch other people turn into animals. (laughs) And they just get to be normal. I mean, Marco is wiggling his ears, trying to make Jake laugh so that he can turn around and be a little shithead. And Cassie's asleep because she's probably been up, I don't know, handling insert animal here that had to get a shot. And Rachel is breaking guys' fingers. (laughs) Hey, like, don't fucking consent. Like, it's a thing, guys. Consent is good. Oh, Rachel's absolutely right to do it. Oh, no, totally. And he deserves it. And God, I love Rachel so much. The response of, of when he says, you almost broke my finger, and her reaction is, almost. That's <laughs> fantastic. And we get the almost, and a reminder that the universe must always come with a balance. There's such a positive force of good. Put that in air quotes, because who knows what actually defines good and bad here. There's got to be the counterparts. And we get Cryak. Who's not from around these parts? Yeah. We learn. No, not even from this universe. The Elemis stuff is easily my favorite part of the whole Animorph stuff. Hey, guess what? There's an entire book for you. I know, and I can't wait. It is. I just love. Like, I get really excited when everybody ends up in just a random different place because it means the Elemist is coming. Then <laughs> <laughs> he t- yeah. takes on the form of a young girl in this book, which I'm sure had to have been like the visual of that. This almighty being wearing young girl with braces. with braces. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, DC Comics characters, who is Father Time in Frankenstein and the Agents of Shade, who reincarnates regularly but uh is currently like a seven-year-old girl <laughs> we get a little bit of the elemis backstory and and how cryat came to be a part of that mm-hmm. um we still don't know if the elemist is one or multi and in all honesty it's probably both yeah i i don't know how that uh, would like it, it everything about the elemist is sort of beyond understanding so to kind of explain stuff away, I think, would sort of lessen lessen the character to me. I think it should be just... I mean, we could grant Morrison it. That's he is terrifying. a fifth dimensional being who exists in five dimensions and exists as a single entity, but because we can only comprehend three or four counting time, we see him as uh, different points that are all technically part of the same thing, but could be different entities from our perception. Sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> I'll accept that. <laughs> Um, I also appreciate he explains appearing as a little girl as this is as humble as I know how to be, <laughs> which yeah. is like the He's trying. Yeah, is he? Yeah. Like, I feel like this is some kind of humble brag. Like, oh yeah, this is as humble as I know how to be. I'm trying, yeah. but I'm just so good that I can't be humble. Yeah. I take it as more of like I am this all like powerful being, guys. Like I don't know how to get on your level enough. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna amend our uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine Animorphs comparisons. Okay. Gina Linetti is now the Elemist. <laughs> fair, fair. I actually got a some a good submission for the Elemist, but we'll talk about that later in the episode. Awesome. Um, so 
in true Elemis fashion, not all details are given straight up front. To be honest, I really thought this was going to be one of those if you lose like the entire memory of you is going to be wiped. I don't know if that's probably another Elemis book. I don't know, (laughs) to be honest. But I really thought it was like, hey, if you go into this fight and you lose, this work that you've done for, I will say about a year now, goes away too. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you get wiped. In one sense, those are kind of the stakes, not the getting wiped, but the like, if they lose this, shit's going to get worse fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, it's definitely a, if you lose, you die. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about Eric being number seven? I think it's a good call. I think it does a lot to kind of balance out Cassie in a way, because then we have, well, then we have someone else whose first answer is not necessarily violence, who, if not by choice, by programming, has to kind of make a pacifist play. And also shows, like, active ways to do that. I think it's also a good way to kind of see how the Chi can contribute without fighting. Yeah, we cheated a lot. Yeah. Sometimes the best offense is a good Chi (laughs) fence. Jesus. (laughs) I mean, the Elemist also tells them nothing about the Howlers, so it's good to have someone who knows anything about them. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the... The dad thing, though, it's like like part of him helping them is making them figure this stuff out. So I, I don't know. Like, I know he calls it non-interventionalist or whatever it is, that word. But uh, it uh, it seems to me like it directly contributes to at least Jake, since Jake is the main character of this book. Like his growth as a as a person, him having to resolve all of these issues without being given all this information. And it, I mean, obviously, it makes for better storytelling. But it does. It's, it's here. Go, go work this out. I'm not going to tell you anything. You just go, go do it for yourself. Yeah, well, the Illumist and Uatu the Watcher hang out every now and I'm then and sure. compare notes I'm on sure. Puppet Mastery. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I mean, I guess like theoretically, you should be able to guess what their biggest uh, asset is by their name, but also, kids. I, I didn't. Yeah. I just thought they looked like dogs, so it would, like... No, no, not yeah. more than one dog here. No, but that's that's really what I thought when they said it was Howlers. Wait, wait, wait. I thought it was another, like, a Pimelite, sort of like the the dark Pimelite, if that makes sense. Your Jedis and your dark Jedis. Y- yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Cats. <laughs> dogs and cats, fine, yes. <laughs> yes, um, the most jellical of aliens. No, I, once they described how these Howlers looked, and I was like, nope, nope, I wasn't even <laughs> close. Well, I mean, you did look at the front inside, right? Uh, no. I did not. Are they on there? I will also point out while you flip through your book, Tim, that uh, you're not totally far off on the whole Sith thing. They are black and red and cut in half in the middle, so yeah. they're very much <laughs> like... Uh, uh, Darth Maul? Yep, that's <laughs> the one. But they're on like a little spindle, right? Yeah. Like a turntable? Like a Lazy Susan? Yeah, that's what it was. It was a Lazy Susan. <laughs> no, I I don't know why I keep forgetting to look at these front pictures, but I sure did. And there's I mean, most of the time they're not super helpful. No. But in this case, we do actually have a picture of a howler yep. on yeah. the front, uh the inside cover. And it also Wolverine it's a group claws. of animals cheering on Jake. It's a very <laughs> fun picture. Best part in the book for me was uh the falling howler when he acquires him. Yeah, that was easily the best. Like, I uh, were and I were I in a position to put the book down, I would not have been able to. It was very good because I didn't realize he was acquiring him. 
Yeah, I did not remember the Howler acquisition at all. I thought he was changing morphs to change into something else, and I didn't know why. I didn't realize he was going to acquire him. That one probably should have been obvious to me. That's pretty much my tagline for this whole book series. That one probably should have been obvious to me. Yeah. That might be just a tagline for life. (laughs) Except for the extreme. You nailed the extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we meet the Escroot. Um, and immediately our group doesn't like this group, but they're so fun. They're basically like capitalism. But Very in... much like late stage capitalism. <laughs> yeah, it's like if, if late of... stage capitalism and a Facebook marketplace existed <laughs> in a literal manifestation of metaphor. That, yeah, that sounds about right. I... I did enjoy when Rachel met the shoppers, the people whose job yeah. it was just to purchase things. <laughs> My people! <laughs> I do also love when we find out what they're, that they're actually composed of two different yeah, no. creatures, almost. I'm not gonna... They're, part of them are the yorts. Yeah, that's why I keep trying to screw up the pronunciation of this thing. But uh, I, I, that one kind of blew me away. Like, I, I, I didn't see that coming at all, either. And I mean, I had a lot of fun when you guys were trying to put together, like, robotic yurks. But... Yeah. Uh, when when he said they were two different parts, I'm like, oh my god, they're yurks. Uh, kind of like, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I, really thought that's, I really thought that's what they were. Were some kind of, any, I think X, or maybe it's somebody else, was even talking about how they just probably split off from them some point in history. And that's exactly what I thought, too. I was like, oh, no. But they're the, they're the, the good Yerks, I guess you could say. The, the good result of, of their lifestyle. Yerks that have evolved and, and realized yeah. that the Yerk tra- uh trajectory is not sustainable right but not even just evolved right like this is the stuff i was alluding to earlier there is so much like mr ya reader i gave you all the clues leading up to this we see multi-partide uh uh weird like synthetic creatures in viscer threes like flying go-kart buddies yeah we already kind of stumbled on the idea of Yerkbots. Yeah. But yeah, one I was of the cracking up quite a bit at that. <laughs> but also quite exasperated. But that's just general. But most importantly, like one of the mainstay species of this book is genetically engineered. The Hork Bajir provide kind of the model yeah. for all of this to work in fiction. Mm-hmm. And if you take that with like the Yerk tendency to specialize and build like specialized societies with with their own roles in the ways that we learn in Hork Bajir Chronicles that like once the Yerks hit space, they like each kind of gravitated toward these things they were good at. And mm-hmm. you look at the ways that they engineer and take different kinds of technology and kind of hybridize them together in ways that are strange but work like that's the whole idea of building the isk yeah and that's how this entire society is modeled i didn't i don't have the description of the the isk part in front of me but it, it it does feel very frankenstein i mean at one point they talk about how when they start going towards the stairs it's like he could basically turn his head around and walk backwards it was like a weird kind of movement it's like they took all these parts of these creatures that they liked and were like this is what i want they probably have with really accordion torsos yeah yeah the wheezing that would get old very fast <laughs> the wheezing your emotions um i am curious like I, I actually am curious how this world works 
because they're basically in a caste system. I mean, no world's going to be perfect, but it is kind of cool to, you know, I don't know. I'd be curious, is this actually working or is there an uprising or somewhere or like, is everybody happy? But I do like that the Elemis basically says in 300 years, they're going to meet them and realize or that the Yerks are going to meet and, and realize that there is another way possible. And yeah, I guess I- you can't just like run around to controllers being like, hey, guess what? I think it was probably the best possible way to to play that, in that the Elemist tells them that that's probably what's going to happen. But I don't know. You know, like, it's still kind of open-ended, and Cryak could still, I guess, get in there and stop things. But, yeah, that there's going to be some positive to what they just did, and it's the positive that they would have hoped for. And also that Howlers now have learned to smooch, and next time they invade (laughs) somewhere, they're just going to try kissing instead of killing. Yeah. No longer the Howlers, now the Snoggers. <laughs> How horrific was it to realize that these are kids? They're just playing a game. Yeah, it's sort of like what you would expect out of the Animorphs if you were to look at it from the outside, you know? I was thinking more like a group of seven-year-olds playing tag, but not telling the person that they're trying to tag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it also sets up like the central thesis of kind of all of this. And maybe we don't want to get into it yet, but, like, finally how they realize what the the Howler's weakness is, how they can actually beat the, the Howler's, it basically comes down to empathy. Like, the whole thing is a case for if we just kind of, you know, made the effort to fucking understand each other, mm-hmm. maybe things would be okay more often. So, in other words, you're talking about me earlier in this book series? I mean, not you specifically. I also, though, did appreciate the argument of, except Nazis, fuck Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think about that a lot, about how, like, like basically with the chi thing. It was like, I was just sitting here, I'm like, I don't know why you don't do it. It just destroy all the yurks just destroy all yurks and then you see this this yurt people who are like no 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 we did this thing and it's cool and now we don't have to do that anymore it's like oh okay reformation is possible and you've got i mean i'm sure there are plenty of other horrible creatures in the galaxy but you can't get much worse than the howlers that are quote-unquote undefeated and yurks who are taking control of everything and so for cryak to lose potentially both of these so that was one thing that did stand out to me one of the things that i did pick up on they were talking about how the pemolites were destroyed by the howlers like thousands of years ago or whatever you know like forever ago and then they were talking Mm -hmm. about how the the howlers were undefeated they had 17 victories and i was like 17 in like thousands of years well i think 17 was just what the escort had to uh sell like the howlers that came and didn't sell the entire memories of their whole lives i was about to say i was like this this doesn't math out you know so i like it sort of became apparent to me that i guess it didn't in the sense that they were holding stuff back on purpose but it it, that's what i thought immediately was like well that's not the whole story that can't possibly be the krayak is good at propaganda but i don't think he's that good at propaganda I, your, the relationship with the chi, I mean, the, our relationship with every other species is fascinating because it never is stagnant. And I don't think it's going to stay stagnant throughout the entire series. Um, because, you know, we've got the Andalites, who our group still pretty much think is good guys. I think we, as a podcast group, don't necessarily agree with that. But I think for the most part, they still believe that the Animorphs still believe that 
the Andalites are going to come in and save and everything's going to be okay. And then we've got the Chi who are kind of a constant source of frustration. And yeah, we know they're helping out in the background. And yes, without Eric, they would have died in this first but I just I really like this this the fact that it's not like these are our allies and that never changes and that we're always a hundred percent cool and everything's fine because of the relationship with the Yerks you know they know that there's a resistance movement going on. Um, I had another train of thought there, but that's oh these guys the Yorts, and so I don't know I just really like that nothing kind of like your relationship with the book series hasn't stayed the same. <laughs> Nothing's really stayed the same. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's, is, it's 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 making me into a better person. The Animorphs book well, there's series. A little, I, I don't know if you're being <laughs> facetious or not. Well, kind of not, because it's, it is, I mean, I know it's, it's applied to a fictional situation, but at least, you know, at least on that level, I'm giving more thought to, to what I, what I see in the book series, as opposed to just like, eh, murder the bad guys, be done with it, let's go, you know? I haven't yet yeah, to a- apply that to life. I haven't been in a murderous situation yet. I don't think yeah. you necessarily have <laughs> yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah, maybe I do apply it, and I just don't realize that I've done it. I'm gonna, like, be watching myself, and I'll be like, huh, did I do that because of Animorphs? And I'll report back. I'll report back my findings okay. so if nothing else anamorphs is responsible for tim's metacognition <laughs> why do i do what i do why am tim <laughs> i think anybody that's rereading this series can also kind of say that this had something to do with their upbringing how they i mean we things. certainly we certainly <laughs> i say both plenty said that. yes and as I've been like basically yelling at anybody who's read the series today about uh, the kiss in this book and how happy it makes me and also to come across news stories of like how things have just feel like they've regressed in 20 years. And it's super frustrating because like one of the big things, I mean, I remember when the, this kiss happened and just being like, yeah, finally, everybody's like, it's out in the open. It's cool. Romance in the middle of war. It, these are not the thoughts that I had as like a... 11 year old child but like to summarize it basically and and applegate and grant have both talked about how they did this interracial kiss is like an homage to the star trek interracial kiss being such a big deal on tv and how they worried about how it would be taken and that all the mail they got was basically like fucking finally rather than like no why did you do this kind of thing it was just it's it's so ah. It's so cool to know that there's this little gap of generation that's like, yeah, we didn't give a shit. We were just really excited it happened. But then, to, I don't know. I'm just really tired today. It's, uh, the news is making me sad. I am with you on this. My first thought when they kissed was, oh, poor Rachel Hawks don't have lips. He can turn human. He can. But okay, it's weird if he's question. like, hey, let me have eight minutes and then we'll smooch. Did you? Um, I guess that is a question for both of you. Do you think Rachel and Tobias are going to kiss? Not if she has to watch him morph right before the moment. I feel like that's got to be a big old mood killer. Uh, did y'all did y'all catch it when Jake was talking about how pretty Rachel was again? It happened. I it was... did, but I was going to have the decency not to say it. Oh, no, me. I'm not. I'll say it. It's when they're talking about uh, Rachel's haircut, and he's just talking about how good that haircut looks. And I was like, no, no. Yeah, no, I no, think no. that's more a commentary we... on Eric than on Rachel. Well, and I'm also, I'm also going to call hold on this one, Tim, because I didn't read it that way. I read it mostly as commentary on Eric, but also, like, it's totally it's totally cool to say, hey, you got your haircut, it looks good, and not, not be some creepy flirtatious thing. 
I don't know. Yeah, I read it as like of all the people who could get this haircut and look good. Of course, it was Rachel, but it's entirely because of Eric, who's been cutting hair since Catherine the Great. I'm I'm gonna and say it's like a weird humble brag. I'm gonna say that your past actions dictate whether or not it's okay for you to do that, and we all know Jake's past actions. So I'm gonna say I'm no, it's not say, okay. I've read a lot of books recently with incest in it, and this is not incestual to me. I'm just putting that out there. I don't know. That makes it sound like you have a variable bar on what is and what isn't. And I I don't know how I feel about that one. I mean, considering that one of the books that I read is a person spread out over four bodies and then two of them get together to have a baby and that I've been sitting there going, is this incest or masturbation? For weeks now, it's like, I mean, there is a weird bar there, basically. I'm just going to go ahead and say this, that you broke up at really, really, really inopportune times during that conversation. And I cannot wait to hear what you actually said when I listened to this episode. I got like two words and they they did not fit. I feel like in this book, Jake's comments on Axe's attractiveness in Human Morph are more flirtatious than his comments on Rachel. I love this because we have at this point, though we haven't released any of them, seen Axe on the TV show. <laughs> and Axe should be this biracial feminine male basically it's not what we get at all no no slam on the actor or anything like that <laughs> but it is one of those maybe a slam on the like, casting director that may be one um but yeah i i do kind of wish if they ever do redo this i super want an awesome ex that has everybody going am i attracted to you but not <laughs> Man, now I want to read fan fiction of Axe going out on a date. But I know that if I open that door, it's going to not be okay. I feel like Axe, though, is a little closer to, say, Jughead in this regard. Axe would rather sit down with a good Cinnabon. Yeah. That's, yeah. I really like how human he's becoming. Yes. He's, like, shrugging a lot. Yeah. Shaking his head. Finger guns. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, when were the finger guns? (laughs) There weren't. I just was seeing if you were paying attention to me. just letting me talk it's like wait did we establish axes canon by no the other thing was i read that was it the uh the howlers they had human-like hands and then they said they had five fingers and an opposable thumb and then later they said they had only five fingers on the whole hand so i was really confused if that meant they had one of their five fingers was an opposable thumb or if they had six fingers. One of their five fingers is an opposable thumb. Okay, thank you. Because they have four blades that come out one behind each finger. That's one more than Wolverine. It's not intellectual property. <laughs> That's a Wolverine plus one half a Laura Kinney. <laughs> How do we feel about Axe's book? He had an interesting arc. I mean, my dude, how many times have you guys retreated in the past? Uh, kind of get over it. Yeah, but how many times has he done it sort of by himself? Mm. Like the group but has Jake, always retreated. On orders. There's a difference between doing it on orders and doing it. Yeah. So you don't just arbitrarily die? I mean, Jake is exactly right at the end of this. And when I'm saying that, you know it must be true. <laughs> but I, mean, I don't think I don't that an, with you. an Andalite captain would have told him the same thing. Well, this is right. why humans are better than Andalites. Uh, again, I'm not disagreeing with you either. Look, reindeer are better than people. People are better than Andalites. <laughs> uh, now I'm gonna have that it's the circle of life. <laughs> I'm going to have that song stuck in my head now. 
Your circle um, of life is a straight line. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Not if and a light are better than reindeer. Oh, there you go. No, and now and I see. And not better than reindeer. <laughs> I mean, poor Axe's eyes keep bleeding. Like, this book is horrific. Oh, it's terrifying. Like, even when they're describing Axe's tail, it's like, if he wanted, you could be counting in base five. Mm-hmm. Because you'd lose you were a just hand looking before for you knew it. any way to bring that up. Any way, because I have to talk about this. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, go. Um, I understand the point about counting in base five, although it's wrong because you don't count five in base five. But that is not what I'm here to talk about today. Welcome to my TED Talk. Humans should count in base six. Counting in base 10 on our 10 fingers, we can get to what number, Tim? 10. But if we count it in base 6, letting one hand represent the units digit and one hand represent 6s, how high could we count on 10 fingers, Tim? 60? 60. 35. 35. 35. Yeah, I guess so. Because one hand is your 6s, 5 times 6 is 30, 1 is your 1s, 5 times 1 is 5, that's 35 on two hands. No. Human should count in base 6. I have. This has been my TED Talk, thank you. You've like, turned your hands into like a hand abacus. Yes. Uh, I have no valid argument for that. I, I literally cannot dispute that at all. I feel like I want to. I really feel like I want to. But there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, there's, You've crafted the perfect argument, Alex. <laughs> I mean, the counter-argument is accessibility and efficiency. (laughs) Well, maybe not efficiency, accessibility and ease of comprehension. I was about to say, to explain this to a fucking child. (laughs) But hey, pro tip, if you ever need to count on your fingers, but also can convert bases, one hand for sixes, one hand for ones. 35. Also really hope you're good at your multiple table for six. 6, 12, 18, 24, 30. I mean, I wasn't speaking to you specifically, but yes, thank no, you. But pro, thank pro you. tip pro tip for anyone who's rusty. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, God. Do you feel better getting that out? I do. That is my second strangest hot take. Wait. <laughs> Did I miss the part where they were talking about counting in base 5 in this book? It was a throwaway aside. Oh. Yeah, it was like something towards the beginning, which I probably never would have noticed except for that Alex had already said he wanted to talk about talking in basics. <laughs> so I, yeah. Yeah, I totally just sailed right on past that. I guess because I don't have the passion for base five or base six that Alex does. I have passion for many different bases. Mm-hmm. One sa- one might say all your bases <laughs> belong to me. That was well, well placed. What is six base though? Do what? I said, what is six base though? Hexamal. That is not what I meant at all, but that's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. The line, by the way, Tim. Yes. One of the animals on stage moved, only it was not a Disney animal. It had the body of a blue deer, the upper torso of a boy, a mouthless face topped by two extra eyes on movable socks, and a tail that could snap and leave you counting in base five. Uh, I do remember that now. Man, You, yeah, that was a... That was a little throwaway. Yeah. But again, really, you're only just counting to five in base 10. But that's okay. I'll forgive. I'll forgive fourth graders who don't know base conversion yet. <laughs> Actually, I was probably fifth grade when this one came out. But I'm sure there were fourth graders who were. So this is a very Jake heavy book. We don't get a ton outside of him. Like, there's not really. Outside of him and then this this axe plot. Yeah. Um, outside of, I guess, Marco just getting, like, the shit beaten out of him this entire book. Which is always nice to see. I don't know. Marco getting stabbed. Yeah, he like that. totally got prison shanked. He did. Yeah. He did. Like, he got hit bad, then his wing, like, got cut off yeah. or broken off, I don't remember, and then gets stabbed. Like, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
that that part where he's trying to give or Jake's trying to give orders to Marco and he's just standing there staring at it. Just, yeah. yeah, it's like whoa. Axe has to go get the the mind meld device or whatever you call it. I mean, I feel like the most horrifying part is Jake having to make the decision to leave Cassie. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty messed up too. But he, he did he made the right decision at least. He made the right decision, but boy, howdy, is that a cruel decision yes, to have to make? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, it is. Not even cruel to Cassie; it's just like personally cruel to be in that, like existentially mm-hmm. cruel to be yeah. in that position. Mm-hmm. But it's really showing where Jake's coming into his leadership or has come into his leadership. And like what kind of leader he is yeah you know the needs of the many are more than yeah. the love of your life and the uh the other great jake leader moment we are one of them i guess i should say was the uh when the the howlers are busting in and he's like everybody morph no 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 morph small more small and then has them turn into the flies to get away as opposed to trying to stand and fight i think it's safe to say especially in light of the whole needs of the many outweigh the love of your life thing jake is officially a better leader than scott summers oh jesus christ (laughs) fine is there like an x-men we can upgrade him to (laughs) um he's definitely not as good as wolverine or storm and he'll never be as cool as kitty Nobody can cool be. Nobody is as cool. Oh, I don't know. There are a couple. There's a Bendis character who's really cool who time travels. Um, he can be gold balls. How's that? <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, like, there's not really a plan that goes wrong in this book. Like, yeah, Marco gets stabbed, but at least like they knew the plan enough. It actually went off. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But like, they even had the awareness. This is not the whole story. We're going to agree to this thing, but we yeah. know there is at least one catch. Yeah. Yeah. Like they went in knowing that the Elemist has, I don't like the idea that he's lied. I, or I don't agree that he's lied. I just, but I get why they feel that way. It's a lie of why, omission. Why Rachel feels that way. But, um, which I don't get, like she would never leave this war. If she was given the option. Why does she feel like? Anybody else would, but whatever. Because if she's going to give her whole self to the thing, she deserves the truth. I, I get that. I get that. Completely. I mean, I think that's very much probably going to be where she's come from. Like, you know, I'm going to do this. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do like they go into it so ready to not know everything that like they analyze everything really well and they don't die. Yeah. I really like the cockiness of like the six on one and then they get their asses <laughs> to them, like very quickly and they're like, all right, how do we adjust? It's like, we're doing this, we're doing this. Oh, he can heal. Yeah. And now stabity, stabity, stab, howl. Yeah. Do you think that Guide is a malevolent leader? I think Guide is terrifying. I think Guide is a product of a system and to be pitied. But also this need in 2019, and I say this as someone who spends more time than I probably should on Twitter. uh, In 2019, three years into a reality show host's presidency, uh, this need to watch everything to be able to give your perspective on everything, regardless of thought or value, is horrifying and phenomenally prescient. So he's a bed bug? Yes. <laughs> yeah, this book definitely reads different 20 years later. I mean... And maybe is a little bit more terrifying in 2019 than it was in 1999. And I've been trying... I've really been trying to remember and trying to separate a couple of thoughts on this book. I don't... I truly don't know which I would have read first, this or House of Stairs. And I definitely would have had, like, a House of Stairs vibe from this, just given, you know, the multiple levels and it's all stairs here on the Escort world. There is an elevator. There is that one elevator, but they don't find out about that until later. 
Um, but like, I'm trying to figure out how much like existential dread I would have read from this. And if any, like, dread that I remember is a product of having read that book around the same time. That's understandable. And how much of this dread is just, like, inherited. Uh, yeah, no, this is actually the end of the world here. Thanks for seeing it 20 years early, Applegate and Grant. Y'all got all this from Guide? Yes, Guide is terrifying. Guide is literally a product of capitalism. I mean, his entire existence is to buy and sell. And even beyond that, for any risk to personal self... He will become a voyeur just so that he can have this experience and make money off simply having watched a thing. Yeah, I don't I don't think I read him that deep. I'm not saying it's necessarily in the text. In fact, this is kind of the thing I'm saying is I'm trying to figure out how much of this is other influences that I'm bringing to the table. I got about but, as much negative impact from him as I got from Watto. That's exactly what I thought was like, he's a money grubbing character with not a ton of like what I would call moral value, but I wouldn't say that he caused me really much thought beyond that. I mean, I don't think he is necessarily malevolent or malicious. I think he is a terrifying symptom of a commentary on problematic elements of consumer culture. He doesn't do anything for moral good. No, I'd agree with that. I just, I don't know, he just didn't stand out to me as much of anything. His his D&D alignment is fiscal neutral. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Um, also, I will give him this up over Watto. Uh, Watto is a phenomenally racist caricature. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, at my age, I didn't realize that. I just no, didn't. No, h- so. h- hard same. Yeah. But. And that's, that's. But. The, and, I mean, obviously he was, like, dealing in slave trade. So, like, but, like, the, the way that, like, I viewed him when I watched this, this was the same ways I viewed him as when I watched this. As kind of a throwaway character, not a great entity. But not didn't really spark any kind of thought in me, you know. See, I definitely think his his role and his inclusion is intentional. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you're probably right. Like twenty something books and nothing's really a throwaway at this point. I mean, everything. But, like, if this book shows anything, it's that a lot of these weird side things that happen that you're like, oh, okay, that was a thing can get brought back. And, and we do know, I mean, straight up, there are going to be storylines that not get dropped. Like the evil Andalites haven't come back or, um, you know, but I guess I would have like in, in like, I would have thought of it more as the society itself, like in terms of what I saw as the negative, than just guide himself is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I don't think it's just guide yeah. himself at all. That's think, not what, yeah. That's why when I was there, I was like, man, I, I like barely remember that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, But if this were a Joss Whedon movie, guide would be the character who we learned about their world through his viewpoint, came to love him, and then watched him be impaled on a spike in the third act. Why do we have to go with Joss Whedon of all people? I mean, Joss is problematic and kind of a nightmare in 2019, but, uh... Yeah, I guess Buffy was very, very, very... I wonder what season Buffy this was. As far as, like, known for using a viewpoints character to get across a specific thing, like, that's kind of his big move. Yeah. Season three Buffy. Cool. I was making more of a joke about what kind of leader guide would be, but I mean, this is a weird world and it is honestly kind of, I mean, even more uncomfortable. Like our characters are uncomfortable partly because they probably recognize the 
yerk aspect in some way. They probably have some sense for that now. But also, like, it's a planet with that's completely void of any morality, in a sense. Yeah. Everything Which is, has a value. It's kind of an odd thing when you talk about it, because you're using them as the example of what the yerks could become in a positive light, but you're showing this is a very negative society it's kind of a weird like mashup i guess in that aspect i think nothing's black and white yeah uh, you're right yeah nothing's black and white and nothing's perfect like there's nothing that says that just because you become these everything becomes perfect but they're not hurting anybody yeah 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 yeah. agreed agreed that the we got rid of this bad over here but it doesn't mean that all bad is washed away Yeah. yeah like towards the end when jake is like you know guide is basically finally going okay you guys are costing more than you've asked for at this point and he's like i just want like a body part that you don't necessarily want to you know an inch of your tail whatever and jake's like if we knew it was going into some kind of organ donation that'd be one thing but it's going to go into a jar to be shown off Mm -hmm. and we're not donating for that yeah and i think that speaks volumes to what this world is and i mean the other thing too like one the escort are as far as we can see and have information to know happy like they like their society even though i mean the example of the shop class there is a group in society whose entire role is to shop and yes the the reason is reductive well because you can't have sellers without shoppers but this is still like a valid role in society Mm -hmm. their role is seen as contributory and while yes maybe it's a little bit trickle down economics if we assume it's a capitalist system and that you know has been shown proven time and time again to not actually be real um maybe it is a true capitalist state maybe maybe it's in fact some sort of you know communal society and while money exists like they're actually paying the people to shop because everyone gets some sort of pay we don't actually know details yeah, and that's what I was trying to say earlier. It's like, I'd be actually really curious to yeah. read a short story or something about, you know, life on this planet without the humans. And like, I guess the other thing too that I feel the need to say as much as I shout about it is like, at some level, as much as like, as a reflection of consumer culture, the escort world is, and it's terrifying to us, like, it's a little colonialist to walk in and be like, hey, yeah, this is wrong, even if as far as we can tell, everyone is happy. Yeah, that's a fair point. So if I'll yell at the Andalites, I'll yell at me too. <laughs> that I mean, that is a fair assessment. I mean, everybody could be 100% happy. It could be 100% capitalism. And that's all they know. And that's all they need to know. And that's cool. I don't know if that's what the writers were going for. But who knows? Um, so we got two new aliens. Three three new aliens. Do you think we're going to see any of them again? I mean, the Krayak for sure. Yes. Uh, the Howlers. And what, let me think. The, the Iskrut. Mm-hmm. N- no on the Iskrut. Maybe on the Howlers because we're going to see Kryak again, and that's his little... But they said he'd lost them, so he may have a different a different group, you know, next time we see him. He may not have anybody. It may just be him. Okay, I'm glad you're putting it this way, because my next question was, do you think we're going to see Kryak outside of the Elemis Chronicles? Yes. Yeah, I still feel like... Because yeah. he and Jake have beef. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I feel like that's going to be... Although, I feel like the Elemis Chronicles, like, I have a... I, I, it was just kind of a vague thing before i feel like we have a little better idea of what i'm gonna get now so i i i'm kind of looking forward to that more but yeah i think we'll see krayak outside of that 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 it, it hasn't paid off yet and i don't think it'll pay off in the elements chronicles anything else we wanted to touch on anything we haven't really touched on i think i hit everything i wanted to yeah okay um so we haven't played any games of who or the animals are and any other thing but i got a great elements suggestion which i think alex especially is going to super love Alton Brown. Is this in response to my Guy Fieri thing? <laughs> no, this is actually um, someone sent me a text. 
This is actually not me coming with it. This is someone else coming to me <laughs> going, what do you think of this for the Elvist? I mean, I do love me some Elton Brown very much. <laughs> I, feel I like see him as more. There. I see him as more like Time Lord than Elamist, but I can get behind him as Elamist. Do you know who Alton Brown is? Yes, then? I do. Okay, just double yeah. checking. If you had said no, your ass was going to be driving <laughs> here right now. I mean, like, given that he's from. Yeah, you know what? I wanted to say that I thought he was because I know that we don't want the Yerks tracking down Alton Brown. Well, if you're gonna, no, are you kidding? He would turn so many people. He buys cocktail bitters at the same place I do. <laughs> just the way you said that i mean i've been going there longer than he has but i mean fine you know take your hipster moment it's all good <laughs> so any way that technology would have changed this there was a reference at one point to looking at the world and it being like Maybe it was when the Elemis sucked them into hypertime or whatever. Where you could like see things moving like watching a cursor as you pushed it across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that will not read to anyone born in this millennium. And now I'm, tr- I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to put them back on my computer. Um, there are settings actually to turn on cursor trails. Is there? Uh, is that still a yeah. thing? I figured that would have gone away with like Windows 95 or something. It was a thing at least as far as XP. I'm definitely not messing with my computer <laughs> settings right now. Yeah, I am. There. I mean, yeah, this is not, this is one of our more intergalactic storylines. So it's not defeating technology to defeat the Yerks, who are not a big part of this at all. Like, no, yeah. They do rationally think a couple times about how, um, like, selling their memories. Like, what are the odds? Yeah. And I, I really did like that. And actually, did we get... I want to look up something real quick. Keep going. Okay. If you want, or you can wait on me. Oh, I just didn't know if you are going to finish that question. Which could have, you know, we could have helped you with. But that's okay. Did we get... Do you remember how long when they were thinking about selling their memories? Like how uh, far away? Yeah, like how they long were... it would take the Yerks to get there? It was. So they're not coming until 300 years later. Well, I know that, but that's... No, they're 50 million light years away from Earth. Yeah, and it would take them a fifth of the time just to get to the Andalite world. I remember that. There was a fifth of the time just to get to the Andalite world. Well, what I'm trying to figure out is, is is the act of their selling their memories a catalyst 300 years from now for the Yerks making the connection? Uh, That's an interesting thought. Because I know that the Elamist says it will be 300 years, but I never actually thought to go back and look and see how long Guide and X said it would be if they said it would be. So you're saying... They did say how long it would take. That the Yerks are going to go to this planet to to get the memories? Uh, no, it's going to be the memories. Well, maybe. Maybe they would. Wait, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what else. Like... I, I don't think the Yerks would go there to get the memories, but once the Yerks are there, would they see... The memories. Would at some point they come across these memories, and these memories be what connects the dots for them, that this is a path for them? Like, is this setting up some huge coincidence in 300 years? I am surprised that they say 300 years, except for maybe that's how long it takes to travel. But, um, because, like, let's say the Animorphs win. Would not one of the first things be like, guys, I promise you, we killed you all. But still, you like five that are left. You can go to this planet, and they're going to show you the proper way that you can do this. And 300 years later, they get there and they're like, hey, yo. (laughs) 
Jake sent us. <laughs> but he did say that like several times. He's like, yeah, I don't know how it'll actually go, but maybe this will happen. You know, I do want to ask because we are hitting kind of more of the middle. And I think by the time we hit the true middle, it's actually your uh, week, Tim. But has your opinion changed on the ending at all? Do you still expect a happy ending? Do you still expect everybody to survive? Okay. A happy ending? No. Everybody to survive, yes. What do you mean by no? Like you think the Yerks win? No, no, no. No, no, no. But I think there's a lot of ways that things can go for people. I mean, you look at Tobias, like at the end of book one. I know that's the opinion on that has changed a lot since then. But when you look at him at the end of book one, he's stuck as a bird. He's not dead, but I don't know that I'd call that a happy ending. And, you know, granted it worked out for him future on, but I think there's a lot of things that can go bad for a lot of people without them necessarily dying. That does remind me of a line in this, though, where Jake's like, yeah, Tobias got what he wanted. Rachel just can't accept yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, it's very true. Yeah, it's like, yeah. accurate. Yeah. Rachel wants him out and safe. She wants him to say he's not a bird. Yeah. I don't think it's... No, I think you were making this too much about Rachel having to deal with her romantic inclinations, <laughs> and I don't think that's fucking it. I think it is very much Rachel cares for him romantically and wants him to be safe. And also for him to have lips. I think you're making it too black and white and it's frustrating me. I feel like this one's about to go. Like there's a full-blown argument about to happen here. China. No, what makes me mad is I know what happens in the next book. And I just don't want to be uh, around for the next episode. I was about to say, I was going to try and stoke the fire a little bit. I bet they preen each other. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Are we to the point that you don't remember anything at all? Alex? Um, no, we it's like consistently the whole thing is going to be I remember bits and pieces and like sleeper agent like key phrases jog my memory. Gotcha. I remembered nothing about this book until I looked at the picture behind the cover. Had I not looked at that, I would have not remembered anything about this book, period. So you're the Animorph Manchurian candidate? Um, the Manchuranamorphian candidate, yes. <laughs> wait how do you say anamorph backwards that's the memento guys thing right <laughs> okay he rebuilds the thing the website for memento was the word memento backwards okay bite me tim so before we have a three-way argument going here alex you got any animal facts i do have animal facts what? and i definitely didn't look this one up while we were recording because i had forgotten or anything um, slash because the other one I had, Meg would have murdered me for. Thank you for not doing anything with spiders <laughs> or sharks. I don't know which way that was going to go, but thank you for not one of those. I had one of each, actually. <laughs> All I can tell you is that D&D is going to be very interesting this week if we're back on the water. I mean, we are back on the water, but it is going to be very interesting. You are. I'm not. I Bit, know you're not. Bit Clarton's got food poisoning. <laughs> Didn't you... <laughs> And that's how we hired a cook. Ugh. Yeah, I need to uh, message that, but that is actually what I'm going to be like. That down to the cook thing. It's like, this should be it. And this oh. should be like, Bit decided he was going to try cooking for the crew and experimented on himself and it went <laughs> wrongly. Oh, I love it. But I think we actually did assign everybody something except for Ben Clark. So that would make sense. Yeah. Um, but here is some useful advice for pirates or sailors in general. Stare at seagulls long enough and they'll leave your food alone. <laughs> oh, so it's like the whole, the opposite of the don't make eye contact yes, or the little attack in, thing. Intimidation yes. here. 
You gotta roll that intimidation check. <laughs> Seagulls love your beach snacks, but they hate it when you look at them. <laughs> um, I really don't have to read all of this to you to get the takeaway. Um... You stare down seagulls, they're more likely to leave you alone. <laughs> or at least at least hesitate before they steal your food. Okay, good to know. How does this work on pigeons? Um, if you I don't stare have a, a seagull problem, I have a pigeon problem. If you stare at a pigeon while it tries to take your food, it will pull out a knife and shank you. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. That or it de- it depends. Those are the those are those are those are some pigeons. Other pigeons will just flip you off. Is is pigeon shank a thing? Um, yes, pigeon shank, otherwise known as uh uh oh fuck, what are what are what is it called when you serve fancy pigeon? <laughs> I don't know. There is like a fancy like breed of pigeon that is served um like a quail might be. But yes, uh you can you can serve pigeon shank, I pigeon guess. Shank. All right. It's more like the drumstick technically <laughs> when it's a bird, but uh yeah. Googling eating fancy pigeon. What do fancy pigeons eat? <laughs> I like this better. <laughs> hey, uh, Meg, tell me squab? about what... Squab? Is that squab? Squab, that's it. Squab, okay. <laughs> Real talk. How many people on this call thought I was totally bullshitting eating fancy pigeons? Uh, oh, that'd be me. And also, I didn't know that a fancy pigeon was a type of pigeon, which is what came up when I Googled it. <laughs> Mag, did Alex. you think I was bullshitting? No, I just was curious what the word was. Okay. Please, if have... anybody's going to know about fancy pigeons, of course it would be you. <laughs> I have this problem where often I sound terribly insincere when I tell the truth, <laughs> but phenomenally sincere when I lie. I mean, we've been friends for like a good three years now or something like that. I think I got it. I don't got it. But at least most of the time, I'm just going to assume that you're not making shit up. I mean, many people still do. Like on my own, my mother and I will like trade back and forth, just like trying to slip fake facts toward each other just to see if we can convince the other. But that's a game. It is a game that we play and we're both very good at it. My poor downstairs neighbors probably hate me. Um, all right. So we are to the point of the podcast where Tim gets to sigh heavily and pretend like hopefully we skipped over this and give his predictions for the next book. And Tim, yes, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. I'm, I'm, in a pinch, in a pinch, I can mad lib it, but it's not going to be very no, no. good or funny. I think we should no stay away from yeah. the mad libs. Um, I saw the title of this one, and I was like, "Oh no, be careful, tread lightly." Um, <laughs> do you have the book with, with special you, Alex? guest? I do. Look at the. Oh, I thought I was talking about the next oh, one. No. Sorry. Oh, I can hang on. No, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, he's okay. gone. <laughs> oh, there he is. That was very fast. I just want you to look at the picture inside this cover. Okay, all right. Not you, Tim. Oh, not me. Oh, I don't get to see it. Not you. I was hoping. I was going to try and cheat for more predictions. It's great, right? Oh, my goodness. It's a great picture. I forgot how good some of these pictures are. All right, Tim. So good. Be exposed. Yeah. Um, no one shows their genitals. Don't even start. Nope, nope, nope. I'm going to keep it clean here. But Paul Rubens is the special (laughs) Keeping it clean here. Um, Okay, so... My thought with the exposed is that one of the team members gets separated and is in a dangerous position. Which one? Specificity is the soul of narrative. Uh, Quote, let's John see. Hodgman. It's book two, so it's a Rachel book. Well, Rachel wouldn't be, Rachel would be okay, though. Rachel would be fine by her. Let's say Cassie. Cassie gets separated from the group and is in a dangerous position, and the rest of the group has to, has to recover and go save her. What if I told you, Tim, that the crux of this book... Was a plot detail in the Timverse version of the extreme. (laughs) 
there's no way that there's it could it possibly be that the X Games happens in this book? No, no, Just, it's not no. that one. Um, okay, uh, then there's a hospital wing. What were the other facts? Uh, there's a hospital wing being built, or there's a they're trying to rebuild that Candrona array. I know that those happened. Tony Hawk appeared in this book. I'm not gonna lie, I know what happens in this book. I have no idea what <laughs> Alex is referencing. Well, I guess we'll find out two weeks. From hey Tim, take off your headset. All right, I got it. It's the whole Eric's projector stops working part. Oh, that's what I thought you were talking about, but I wasn't sure because I couldn't remember if that actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, should I ask him if he thinks Crack's going to come back this soon? Because I think this is the introduction of Drode. If you don't remember who Drode is, that's fine. I think you absolutely should. Okay. Can I just point out that me and Alex went to lunch with Christina and a baseball game happened to be on and the pitcher was talking through his glove and she's like... Why is he talking through his glove? That seems counterproductive. And this situation was the exact example that he used to explain <laughs> they it. They do the exact same thing in tennis. No. It's yeah. yeah. And doubles. Um, so we got a lot okay, so we here are regulars. Do you think Chapman's gonna show up? I, we haven't seen Chapman much. Yes. Yes. Okay. There'll be a Chapman. Do you think Eric's gonna be around? No, because we got Eric in this book. There's no Eric in the next book. Okay. Do you think Cryak's gonna be around? No, no we won't see Cryak probably until the Elemis Chronicles, and it'll be later than that. Because it took what twenty books for us to see him a second time. So no, he he won't be in the next one. I gotta remember where the Elemis Chronicles lies. Hang on. Hey, now that my predictions are done, is are there? Who says they're done? <laughs> I do. So I'm trying to run away from them. Okay. Well, once my predictions are done, tell me if the next book is ghostwritten or not, or do I have to try? And... Well, do you think it is? You have to read it and tell us. Okay, all right. Um, it's a new form of Tim prediction. <laughs> it's just... Well, I mean, do you think it's going to be? Uh, I really have no, like... Yes. It's just a yes. guess. Yes. Okay. But I have no basis on that whatsoever. So Elemis Chronicles is going to be the eighth book from the end that we read. Just ahead. Oh, up. I thought we had another one coming up. Visser. Oh, it's Visser. Okay. Uh, we have Visser, but that's still a ways. Next, the next Her- is going to be a Megamorph. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what I was looking at then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a Megamorphs in four books. Yeah, I remember you telling me that it was going to be a long time before we get to the Elemis Chronicles, and then I was disappointed. And now also- I get to be disappointed all over again, because I had forgotten that. Maybe it's worth mentioning now, too, because they're advertised in the back of this book. We still haven't figured out how we're going to address them, but the first Alternamorphs is advertised oh, in yeah. this one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that I yet. don't even know that y'all have explained to me what an Alternamorph is yet. It's a choose-your-own-adventure so, yeah. animal. Oh, you have told me about that, then. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, Uh-oh. there's two of them. You know what I'm going to do with that Alternamorphs? I'm going to read it whenever y'all tell me to. Good plan. Yeah. <laughs> a good answer there. That's how I'm going to handle that one. So, Tim, yes. do you think the next book includes a submersible shape like Snoopy? <laughs> That's a random ass question. And so specific that I would have to say yes. Do you think it includes a spaceship shaped like Schroeder? Oh, my goodness. Now he's just all. Uh, no. Do you think it includes a uh, Macy's parade balloon shaped like Woodstock? That's probably the most likely of all the three. Yes. Okay, so to summarize, you think it's a Rachel book. Yes. Cassie's going to get kidnapped or exposed somehow. Somehow, yeah. And they're going to have to go save her. That is the most general description. Anything else? Uh, You also think that Chapman's going to be there? Yes. No Eric, no crack. Tom, what about Tom? In case you forgot who Tom is, it's Jake's brother. I'm trying to remember how often we see Tom in non-Jake books, (laughs) and I have no idea. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say In yes. case you've forgotten Tom, it's Rachel's cousin. <laughs> Rachel's cousin, yeah. <laughs> yes, there will be a Tom sighting. What do you think the new morph will be? Hmm, let me think. Where, where, let's go with the exposed. What does that tell me? That doesn't tell me anything. Um, A raccoon. Okay. A raccoon. There you go. I, I, I don't choice. know why yet, but raccoon. All right. 
Rachel uh, loves a trash panda. <laughs> I thought that was your line from the book. <laughs> Anything to promote? Um, Dragon Con will be done by the time this is up. Yes. The usual panelology and the Rob Thomas. No, not that one. Robcast. <laughs> I forgot again. I keep blowing that one. Uh. Oh, I was supposed to find my homecoming pictures. Uh, this one will... I really like talking to MJ about your predictions. Yeah? And commentaries, yes. I am marginally better at predicting <laughs> Veronica Mars plots than I am, or than Tim is at Animorphs. <laughs> That is very true. This one will be out in September? Yes. yes. Okay. Given that there's only yeah, four days all... left of I'm, August. I'm on vacation. I don't I'm lucky I know what month it is. Um You do have a thing you need to I do, to I, do I do. Uh the Haunted Hell House of Horrors will be coming out September twenty seventh. And you might hear my voice in it. So everybody should go subscribe now. It's up on iTunes now. Wait, it's on Yeah, the trailer has it already started? No, no, no. Oh, okay, the trailer. Yeah, the trailer's already up. Cool. So you can go ahead and subscribe now. All right. We'd like to thank Christina Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some cool art from her, email her at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com or visit her at chaosdoesart on Instagram or find her on the Discord. Peep our social meets. We're at Minds at Yerk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, if you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at mindsatyerk at gmail.com. Our website is mindsatyerk.com. And you spell yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. Also really love that their counterparts are double O's and a T, but it's still the same. <laughs> Anyways, if you like us and want to help us out, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean, and Spotify. Uh, if we are not on your podcatcher of choice, please let us know and we will uh, get on it. Also, please leave us reviews. It's been a while. I can beg more if you want. <laughs> You're both like silently staring at me. No, I think that's an appropriate amount of <laughs> Okay. Somebody say when? When. When. The Yerks don't know about this, Cassie said. All right. Well, I've been Megan. My name is still Alex. And I'm still Tim. And until then, we fight.